Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Pensacola, Florida, it's time for Pensacola Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Keith over here, broadcasting live. And uh, this is our podcast uh, pod guest series, episode three. And I am uh, joined with Evan and Eric today, uh, this afternoon. And um, I'm going to let them introduce themselves, but we'll uh, talk about their business and what they do and uh, sort of how they got there and, and really get some insight on uh, different parts and different people of the world. So uh, Evan, by all means, please introduce yourself. Absolutely. My name is Evan Kubasek. It's hard to say and harder to spell. So yeah, that's, that's why I left it for you. I go by Coach K. I have my I'm a I'm a business faculty member at Eastern Illinois University. But uh, what I really love doing the most is coaching and consulting. I do that with individuals. I do that with businesses, and I do some community development as well. So that's why I generally just go by Coach K. Very cool, Eric. Yeah. So my name is Eric Rosenberg. I'm calling in from sunny Southern California. We were just talking about how I have to rough through the terrible winters here mm-hmm. in the 60s when it gets cold. <laughs> but uh, when, I, when I'm not out braving the elements, I am a freelance writer focused primarily on finance topics. And that whole career started as a side hustle. So I often help people build side hustles and build businesses and get better with their money because that's something we all need to do but a lot of people ignore. So I want to help people focus and get their money on track. Very cool. Very cool. All right, Evan. So I want to know, you just didn't want to graduate college or what? Uh, yeah, I just loved it so much. I was like, <laughs> why grow up? Right. I know. I mean, there was this, uh, Going through, I think there was a lot of a lot of different career shifts, uh, deciding what I really wanted to do in life, and it kind of came full circle. Both my parents were in education towards the end of their careers, mm-hmm. so growing up in school, seeing them as an educator, see them as a teacher, they actually both finished in special ed, which is more behavior disordered. Uh, students, so not really students that are with developmental disorder, generally the students that uh, got put in the corner and kicked out of school, they work with those types of students. So I think I, I really love the idea of uh, of helping and seeing people grow. Uh, but then I just realized that, you know, money is nice, right, right Eric? Yeah, sure. You know, so helping having that, and most teachers don't get enough of that. So then I, I looked more towards guidance counseling, and then I got into, then I realized I really love business. I thought I would go towards HR until I learned what HR really was mm-hmm. in college. <laughs> and I decided I'd want to have nothing to do with that. Um, so I ended up going down more of this entrepreneurial route where uh, – partner more with entrepreneurs and help them build businesses and things. And that all kind of came full circle back around to, to step back into higher ed. So I teach entrepreneurship, I teach startups, um, sales, marketing, some management classes in the past as well. So I still get to really just, you know, there's, I have zero complaints about my lifestyle in higher ed. It's, it's not normal in terms sure. of what my, my work day is like uh, compared to the average person. Which is okay, so right? Gives me, yeah, go for it. No, I said, which is okay, right? I mean, who wants to do Oh, yeah. No, yeah. So it gives me the freedom to do other things, too, and uh, and to kind of bring uh, coaching back in the classroom and then classroom back into coaching. Very cool. So, okay, so we have a, a University of West Florida here that's not far from me, and actually a very, very good school, and they just started uh, teaching entrepreneurship. And I'm curious, what is your definition to the students of, of what entrepreneurship is? Because I get that question all the time. So for me, I, I draw a line and this is what I said, like I'm, you know, I'm very entrepreneurial, but I'm not truly an entrepreneur. I think there's this wide spectrum of what people call entrepreneurship now. And then we start throwing these other labels like mompreneur and entrepreneur. Like it is, it's become very like, what is it? Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely a difference in someone who's self-employed 
and someone who has the ability to create opportunities for other people. So for me, I love working with entrepreneurs that have built an organization that is bigger than just them. And they're, they're creating job opportunities for others. I think, you know, finding work is one thing, but creating a job for another person is a whole nother level of stress and pressure. So for me, when I talk about entrepreneurs and entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, um, it's more along that lines, but it encompasses even people who are, you know, self-employed because they're still entrepreneurs for sure. sure. Um, I just hold a special place in my heart for job creators. So are you finding, are, are your classes pretty jam-packed? Do you find a lot of people and students that, that are interested in this um, career path? Yeah, yeah, there really is. You know, so in the, both the schools that I've taught at, um, I've taught at two different universities for the past couple of years. Uh, both of them, entrepreneurship has been housed within the business school, which makes sense. Uh, in reality, entrepreneurship is like pre-business, right? It's going out and saying, I need to find an idea. I need to find a segment to serve. I need to find a problem worth solving. And most traditional business education is skips past that level altogether and says, I need to learn how to manage an organization or manage a piece that's very specialized. Whereas entrepreneurship is, as I'm sure Eric has discovered in his own you know, path, it is incredibly difficult because you have to do everything, right? You have oh, to- yeah. You have to market, you have to take care of your own books, you have to, you know, have to hire, you have to fire. I mean, that's, you, you really have to do so many things uh, to get to the point where you're ready to start hiring specialists. So this is just, it's a totally different beast altogether. So that being said, there's a lot of students that are signed I'm always, um, they're always bringing in more students and I'm supposed to teach every class of entrepreneurship. Their students are really interested in what it is. Sure. So hopefully they're smart entrepreneurs and they're not doing everything for very long. I think that was the <laughs> biggest lesson I learned is find what you're good at, go for yes. it and abandon everything else to those that are good at it. Exactly. So, um, how come, uh, why the coach? Why coaching? Um, I, I'm, I'm in this unique role that I love the 30,000 foot view and the five foot view, and I don't want to run anything. I get no satisfaction not being the director over anything. I've kind of I've done that role as a VP in a, in a startup, and I love I love coaching people. This is another reason why I love education so much is I get a batch of students and I get to invest in them deeply and then kick them out. And some of them come back the next <laughs> semester for another class. But More there's punishment. a clear there's a clear start and end in in that coaching capacity, and people sign back up again. I, I circle back through, but I find a way. I I really hate wasting time and energy on on projects or on on people it sounds horrible on people that really don't want to grow sure well and you know there's something to be said about actually attaining uh the goals that you set for yourself or the gratification that uh happens when you complete something right so absolutely not having uh having a cycle that you know is going to end um with a definitive yay or nay is uh has got to be rewarding yeah absolutely absolutely i enjoy that a lot so uh what do you think, uh, what are you finding? I think, I guess is the, is the trend with, uh, with the students these days. I mean, are they all the delusions of grandeur and I'm going to find the next Facebook or are they really kind of facing reality and realizing that they're just about to start to the most emotional, heartbreaking, wrenching, uh, uh, uh path of, of career. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a mixture right? of both. I think I find less delusions of grandeur and I think I find more escapism. Mm hmm. I find a lot of students that are just, just pretending like they're not racking up debt, like pretending like there's not this clear jumping off point. Mm -hmm. 
And I'll even go to an even further subset, which has been kind of new this year, really realizing um, I, I have the school that I'm at now uh, has had a contracting period. So they've actually shrunk a lot. And there's so I have a much larger percentage of athletes, student athletes in my classes than I've ever had in the past. And there's this reality that a student athlete at the collegiate level has probably been doing their sport, their discipline since they were eight Right. You know, sometimes even younger, right? This has been their identity for as long as they can really remember. And come senior year, at some point, fall semester or spring semester, that entire identity is gone. They are no longer competing at that level. Most of them are not going on to you know professional status to some degree. And I think, and I'm starting to see these students started really wrestling with, who am I now? Like I've been studying these since there's a lot of students that really don't, once again, they don't have um, that vision for the, for the future to some degree. So a lot of them is not delusions of grandeur. A lot of them, it is, I just really, I have had zero, they either haven't had or felt like they've had no time to really think about who they are and who they want to be and what, uh, what problem they want to tackle in life but they all are motivated by something for sure, sure if you if you give them the time to, to talk about it so uh you think maybe a little bit of uh, of, of self-awareness should be probably some lessons taught within your your, your entrepreneurship course i so i do um there's actually this uh this year uh, i noticed there's there's I did it, Mark, because I actually taught at the university back in 2012. So I kind of came back to the same one. And there's a, you know, student values. Like every organization has their values charts, right? This is what we stand for, honesty, integrity, blah, blah, whatever. Mm -hmm. But very rarely have they ever talked about and they, um, you know, made actionable. So this semester, what I've done is I've made those extra credit. I talk about them in the classroom and I actually do professional development with my students where they have to take a value and have to take a statement and then put it into practice for a solid week and then report back what what's changed for them. What's that difference? And those are always, those are great. I, I love reading those. And you, you find them, is it sticking? Like, you know, are they, are they, are they getting it? A percentage, you know, just kind of like with everything, like not everyone's really there. Some are, some are doing it just because it's free points and that's fine. Uh, and, but there are others that are truly are, you know, catching me after class and, you know, and saying, you know, I, I've, I've needed to do this for so long, but I just, I pushed, I pushed it off. I, I never have really wanted to really wake up, um, and grow, like grow in these areas. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard thing to face sometimes when you have to change who you are and, and what you're about, especially if it's a, if it's something you enjoy doing, but maybe it's not serving you so well. You're just the, or just the, not really, not truly aware of yeah, what, what do I believe in? Like, what do I actually stand for? Yeah. Like what really matters to me? Yeah. It's like the sixties all over again. <laughs> it really is. It, honestly, I, I do. I've seen that. I, I think that's like, it's like sixties mixed with, there was some other time frame. Um, but it really is. Like we do see a lot of people that are prone towards, you know, activism or, or taking bold statements. We got the space race reignited again. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we really are like in this weird, you know, 60s plus internet plus, I don't know what else, yeah. but that's, no, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of parallels there. Yeah. So, um, well, so do you ever, you think you might take this beyond the university in, in any way, shape or form? 
I do to some degree. So my, my coaching is very, you know, it's because it's not something that I have to, I have to do in order to pay the bills. Um, it's not something that I've pressed into very deeply because my coaching is very broad. I'm very opportunistic with the projects that I take on. Um, so there, you know, there's this, there's this college age kind of career age, and I'm actually uh, starting to develop a, um, I will coach you with no money up front kind of offering with a percentage of your first month's salary or so, or first two months, somewhere in that range uh, as a new offering that I'm going to be launching here fairly soon. But there's also like this whole social entrepreneur piece where I work with uh, entrepreneurs that are uh, purpose or value or mission driven and want to incorporate more of that into their culture. So I do, I, I, a lot of that's internationally. So I work with a lot of people in North Africa and Asia um, that have started a business that are more social entrepreneurs as well. So my, my coaching is very, yeah, it's kind of all over the map. Very cool. I need so my how are you I need getting, I need a coach for me. Yeah, right. What I need. How are you getting clients in uh, South Africa? I'm part of a network. I'm part of this network. A lot of the a lot of the clients that I have are more uh, driven by by faith. So there's this whole network of people that are saying, you know, I'm I've stepped into this whole culture um, to do to do good work to help people, but I also realize that. I have, I, I don't know as anything about business or I don't know anywhere near as much as I thought I knew about business. Well, and that's an ever changing thing, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. If you, you ever want to learn about what you're, what you're made of, go down the road of entrepreneurship. That's for sure. Yep. So, well, Just very cool. Yeah. So Evan, if anybody's uh, interested in, in uh, hearing some more about you or getting some of your coaching services, where can you send them to? Uh, coach K me. Um, that's one of the channels. That's probably the easiest one to reach out and find me. So coach K me and they can track me down. Great. Well, uh, thanks for being here. Stick around for a little bit. Let's, uh, let's hear a little bit about Eric. Absolutely. All right, Eric. That so was a fun story. I'm actually planning to launch a money coaching business starting in January. So this is great awesome. timing and super useful for me. So thanks, Coach Evan, Coach K, for for teaching me a little bit that I can apply to my so, own business. So Eric, you, sure. got, you got a marketing guy for that? I, I don't have a specific marketing person. No, you know, should, like we like you were saying, a lot of entrepreneurs probably do way too much. Yeah. In my typical day, I'm wearing the content creator, accountant, marketer, and maybe even lawyer hats. So yeah, those are uh, you know, average workday you know, sitting in the home office. But there, there's so much that we have to do. But I, I probably should get my own coach or my own kind of consultant to help me grow my own business. Because yeah, like well, you said, uh, you know, we, we can always do better. We can always expand and do more. And um, when we have that superhero syndrome where we try to do everything ourselves, I've learned um, some of my own best successes come from dropping things that weren't working as well that I could either send out to a VA. I have two virtual assistants who help me out or, um, you know, things that might just not need to be done at all. You know, the busy work we create in our businesses. Oh yeah. The, the infamous, uh, uh time bandits, you know, yeah, I mean, I can always sit there and like stare at my accounting records and QuickBooks and make things more detailed. I, I was an accountant for a while in my career, so I, I can always tinker with the QuickBooks and the and the spreadsheets. But I know that's not something that's realistically going to make me too much money um, beyond a certain point. Sure. So, so, so it's important got, to always understand how much time you invest in in all those different aspects of your business. Is that so? Is that how you get into the finance side of things? Yeah, actually, yeah. My background. So going way back, I. I went and got a finance degree at the University of Colorado with the plan of you know, doing the corporate ladder thing when a lot of people were looking at Sports Illustrated and thinking, oh, I want to be on the cover there. I want to be the star athlete. I was thinking more the cover of Fortune 
<laughs> was where I wanted right. to land in the future. And I thought, you know, Fortune 500 CEO. So I went and got my finance degree. And along the way, I'd been working as a summer camp counselor at the big Boy Scout camp for the Denver area. And my last year there, I was there seven summers. And the last summer, we got internet in the office, and I took the role of office manager that year. So I was doing all the administrative stuff and a lot of the payments for the troops coming in and out because you know, spending seven summers, summer, you become an expert. So I was running all, all that day-to-day stuff. And we had a lot of downtime in the office when the scouts were off doing their merit badge classes and things. So I had this you know, fancy laptop from school and we had this new internet in the office. So I started blogging and little did I know that that tiny hobby would eventually turn into a brand new career path, which is you know, what I'm doing right now. But you know, when I finished school, I actually started um, working as a bank branch manager. So I was approving mortgages and running the teller lines and new accounts, all the day-to-day things that happen in a bank branch. And when I left there, I decided it just wasn't the right fit for me. But I learned so much along the way. I thought, yeah, I've been reading these personal finance blogs from people who are in a ton of debt. And they were writing about how they were getting out of debt or how they were optimizing their money. I thought, well, geez, I know how to blog. I have a finance degree. I graduated from college debt-free a month ago, I was approving mortgage loans. I should start a blog about money. So that's what now, it's actually been 10 years since I founded what became Personal Profitability. And I didn't realize when I founded that, I was writing the resume for my new career path. So I was writing this blog. I got involved in the personal finance blogging community, which communities were instrumental in my success. You know, there's a bunch of different things I could say. If it weren't for this, I wouldn't be um, you know, working the way I am today, making you know, double what I used to make in my gray cubicle days um, with all the flexibility and control over my schedule. But, you know, I used to do the you know, eight to six-ish thing in the, in the gray cubicles. So uh, you know, I, I was there, but I was side hustling, building this blog along the way. And I was looking at my, at my stuff and I saw these um, successes were actually coming on the freelance side of my business, which was, wasn't really a big focus. It was something that I picked up because companies saw my blog and they said, hey, we like what you're doing over personal profitability. Will you write for us? And I thought, well, heck yeah, if you pay me, I'll write whatever you want. That's amazing. And that is what was really starting to um, give me the best results. I saw my income rising and rising and rising in freelancing. And the blog side, it was doing okay, but it was really more the funnel of clients into the freelancing business. And I did uh, well enough. I did 40,000 in revenue on the side in 2015. So in 2016, uh, like any good new dad with a six-month-old daughter and a stay-at-home mom, wife, I decided to do the responsible thing. I quit my job, (laughs) sold my house and moved to the most expensive part of the country. Yeah, there you go. So far, everything's worked out well. Well, that's awesome. So I I want to know, how do you scale something like that when you're only when you're the only person writing? Right. That is a really important question and something that is what I'm actually dealing with right now. That's part of why I'm adding coaching and trying to add some more diversity to my business, because with freelancing, as with any service business, it turns into an hours for dollars type of business model. And the only way you're going to grow your income when it's hours for dollars is either charging more or you're working more. So I often do a little of both. Uh, my rates have gone way up. You know, my first client um, nearly a decade ago, I you know I wouldn't take anything even 
10 times that rate is below what I charge now. Wow. So my rates have gone way up over the years and you're charging so much more that helps a lot. And I also work really hard. I have a big work ethic. I'm trying to build savings. You got to strike when the iron's hot, as they say. Mm -hmm. And right now I'm having my moment. You know, the last three months have been the three biggest months I've ever had in the history of my business. So things are going really well. And I'm trying to you know, embrace that success and repeat it. And at the same time, I'm building out those other parts of my business where I do see more opportunities to scale. So I'm, I'm looking at coaching first, and then I'm working on a book. I've been working on it for too long. I need to finish that book. It'll be my second one. And then I'm also looking at building courses in the future, which I know for my podcast and blog audiences, those courses and other online learning resources could be so valuable to them. So I want to help people do what I've done both in managing my money and, and having good success there, paying off. I paid off my student loans two years and six days after graduation from my MBA program and did undergrad with no loans. So I can help people with money and things like that, but then also the entrepreneurship side. So I'm trying to find the right uh, balance to divide those, the personal finance side and the, and the entrepreneurship and business side for my audience uh, to give them the, the best value I can. And I, and I know if I do that and focus on that, the, the scale should should come uh, naturally. Yeah, it sounds like you're going to need to clone yourself if you keep going. <laughs> so uh, Yeah, that's where, uh, you know, with, with the coaching, I, I'll probably cut back on the writing a little bit. I want to diversify the income there. But then those courses and, and books, things like that, you create it once and it can sell again and again and again. We get a lot of scale there. Yep. So that's the ultimate goal is moving towards that direction as, as the business continues to grow. So I think that the biggest differentiator here that I can tell is that you're following your own advice, it seems, right? So there's nothing worse than somebody giving you the advice that they can't follow themselves, which I've totally been guilty of sometimes. But um, obviously, you know what you're doing and your success is also going to be a big pusher for you. Yeah, thank you. One, one of the things that I look at when I look at, there's so many different blogs out there about entrepreneurship and creating an online business and things like that. And if it looks like a get rich quick scheme and it looks too good to be true, it probably it is. Probably is. <laughs> you know, it took me eight years of hard work before I was the overnight success people started really paying attention to. You know, when you're making $20 a month blogging part time in the evening, uh, no one really cares that much about your story because a lot of people have done that. But if you stick with it and turn that $20 into you know $10,000 a month, when you can start paying your rent and paying off debt and doing other things with that money, when it becomes life-changing, then you become more inspirational to others. So that's how you can build one of those you know, online entrepreneurship brands. But I see so many people who think they can skip the hard work part <laughs> and just get to the end and say, here's how you make uh, money online. You make a website about making money online. I'm like, no, you have to build an actual business and then you can tell people how you did it. Very cool. Well, man, it sounds like you're doing some really good work. Uh, keep it up. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of your marketing needs, that's for sure. But uh, to hear success stories like this is always nice because you're right. You see so many that try that just don't, they don't make it or they, f they fail, um, which is okay because that's part of the process and you need to do that. But to watch somebody actually make it and say, hey, I, I proved the system, uh, it's got to be a win-win, you know? Oh, yeah. And there have been so many things I've tried along the way that didn't work on the way to the big thing that did. Yeah, the, so what, the what not to do to list. not get discouraged along the way, too, because each each failure or each road bump, that's a lesson. And that's something that you can roll into the business that does ultimately work. 
Yeah, my, my parents always told me, fail, fail first, fail fast, and fail often, but get up and keep moving, you know? Yeah, that's like the Silicon Valley motto. Fail fast, <laughs> fail often, and and then try the next thing. Pivot. That's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I hate that word. <laughs> um, okay, so Eric, if uh, anybody's interested in what you write or uh, any of the other stuff you're working on, where can we send them to? Yeah, sure. So my, my writing is for clients at you know, large companies around the world, but my own stuff, my blog and podcast are called Personal Profitability. You can find the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Or you can also check out, I have a free personal profitability boot camp. It's a week-long course. Uh, you sign up, you get an email every morning with a link to a video that's about 10 minutes long. And you can find that at personalprofitability.com slash bootcamp. No cost, no strings attached. Very cool, very cool. Well, I want to thank both of you gentlemen for joining us today. Thanks so much for having having us. Absolutely. So uh, I'm going to get us out of here, but stick on the line for a second, okay? You can find us at uh, uh, Picola Radio X on Twitter. You guys can find us at Picola BRX on Facebook, or you can find us on our webpage at businessradiox.com. Or for our broadcast, you can find us at businessradiox.live. This has been Pensacola Business Radio, where business is good and your work matters.